Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Well, once again, I greet you. This time I greet you with the Word of God. And, uh, you know, just the other day I was looking at somebody who was debating on uh, the television about the existence of God, and I realized that uh, you need the Holy Spirit to understand and to realize what you're actually dealing with. And if the Spirit of God dwells within you and you have the mind of Christ, you can see how illogical the people without the Spirit of this world become. Now, we we normally have to uh, record heart-to-heart in advance. Why? Because uh, it, get pub- it gets published at uh, just after midnight, like 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, every morning. And uh, we did a new series. And uh, when I'm not finished with that, we, we started. And uh, so what happened is I roped in board. I said, talk about the kingdom. She said, you know what? The kingdom of God in the heart-to-heart. She said, the kingdom of God can be likened unto um, or, or uh, compared in a way, speaking in a way. Uh, with, if you understand the kingdom of darkness, then you know the kingdom of light is just absolutely opposite. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, the kingdom of darkness involves everything that's evil, corrupt, perverted, uh, fraudulent, lie, um, every form of perversion of whatever doesn't matter. Fact is that that's what it represents. But the root and the one place on earth that's like the HQ, the headquarters of it all is a place called Babylon. And there we find the first clear character who was a type of the Antichrist, namely a man called Nimrod who built the Tower of Babel. He was the man that was responsible for that thing. It is from that region that Abraham came from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, Marshall's Bible handbook says that Ur is, of course it is, in Hebrew it's fire, and Chaldeans is, uh, is the word for demon, fire of the demons. And so, if we look at Ur of the Chaldeans, God took them out of there, and it's actually in the time of Nimrod that Abraham and his family was there, and then they left. And so they were not part of what would happen to uh, the place of Babylon. And they were on their journey, and they came to the promised land ultimately as a family, Abraham and uh, his, his um, family. So let me just go here and say to you, the location of Babylon is important. I'm going to talk a little bit about Babylon today, and then I'm going to get a little bit deeper in this, and we're going to go places because I want to take you places here. So I've, I've done some notes, and albeit just brief, uh, just a couple of systematic thoughts. Number one, where is this location? I was flying from uh, Orlando on a flight which goes north in the cycle around the Earth, northward, drops down over Europe, and uh, with Emirates Airlines, we flew down over the area of Iran. On our right was the region of Ur of the Chaldeans. On the left, Iran. 
and now you're flying down uh, basically in the area of the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers and uh, that's going south towards the place of Dubai and uh, of course I was on both sides of the aircraft looking out on the left and looking out on the right and my mind was spinning with the geography it was spinning also with uh, the archaeology and the, the spot there called the spot of Babylon it's a place that was built in rebellion to God and where men said we don't want heaven to rule over us let us build ourselves a city and a tower that in this tower even if the waters came again the flood of waters of course they're all unbelievers they were ignorant of God they didn't understand anything about God that such a thing could never again happen to us as the flood of Noah and so with that being said uh, Babylon became the habitation if you look at Revelation chapter number 18 it became the habitation of demons and every kind of foul and unclean spirit and unclean bird even it is just a horrible place and it is like the the and to me it's almost like the the point of the gates of hell itself it's what it was like so this represents the world of darkness and the Babylonian impact spread around the world to this day. And we see it in action in the entire world system to this day. So, first and foremost, the location is at Earl of the Chaldeans. And we also know that uh, there uh, was, uh, it was a place with, I'm just going to read these points here for you. As a place with human life, no value or human life had no value they couldn't care if it pleased them they would cut your throat if the, if it pleased them they would kill you if it pleased them they make you live those kings were beyond barbarically wild they were out of control and they were quite demonic habitation of demon spirits so the human life and from that we have today we have the abortions and all the things happening they don't care the life of the flesh is in the body the moment conception has taken place in the womb there is life and the moment there is life there is blood and the moment there is blood if you take that life you take the blood and God knows about it it's it amounts to murder because of uh, the destruction of a life a person who has got the right to live like everybody else has got a right to live so very clearly if we look at that um, abortion is completely unscriptural if we know Leviticus 17 10 14 tells you the life of the flesh is in the blood and when you have the male and the female cell um, um, you know coming together in terms of uh, the fertilization of the female egg even in chickens the moment the first thing that happens after conception is the formation of blood God says, Leviticus 17, the life of the flesh is in the blood. God says, therefore you shall not eat blood. So, it is very, very important to understand those principles. The impact of Babylon was there already. Commercial economy, look at the economy of the world, you see the same thing. It is the source of what we call usury in the Bible or interest. Let me just tell you what is, what is usury. Usury is the practice of making an unethical and immoral 
monetary loans that unfairly enrich the lender. The term may be used in a moral sense, condemning, taking advantage of others' misfortunes, or in a legal sense, where an interest rate is charged in excess of the maximum rate that is allowed by law even. A loan may be considered usurious, usury, usurious, because of the excessive and the abusive interest rates or other factors defined by a nation's laws. So, therefore, that's where it comes from. I'd like to say a lot about this because interest rates come from Babylon and see how they're reaping all the time everywhere around the world. Now, the second thing is lifestyle. Immorality is not a question. Babylon was the place of, it was the matrix, it was the womb of every form of perverted practice that you can have. It started in the days of Noah. After the days of Noah, man said, we will not want God to rule over us. They built the Tower of Babel and they did just what they wanted. So immorality and severe fornication, experimentation thereof, and the involvement of fallen angels was the order of the day. Idolatry, witchcraft, divination, sorcery, astrology, human sacrifice, and cannibalism. That was also practiced in Babylon. Deception, the devil is called the deceiver of the nations. Babylon represents deception. It represents the formation of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom that will emerge forcefully again in the latter day with the Antichrist, of course, when he is made manifest. Violence was the order of the day. They couldn't care about life. They couldn't care about killing people. Whatever they wanted, they just took it. Ungodly corrupted government practices and ruling by fear and by force. There was no way that you could do what you wanted. You did what you were told to do. So the Babylonian system was the enforcement of a lifestyle, even though the people agreed or didn't agree with it, did it really matter. So um, that is the one thing that we see, fear, ruling by fear, and then ruling by force if necessary. And if you still didn't listen, just get killed. It was the cause of confusion. The, the word Babylon in the ancient Aramaic means the place of conf confusion. Demonic gathering of fallen angels, I've mentioned it, Revelation 18, habitation of every kind of foul spirit. Source of worldwide curses. Worldwide. Everything that Babylon produced is the kingdom of darkness. Worldwide curses. So if you look at that too, uh, then if you see the king of Babylon represents the modern man with lots of possessions but no direction. No wisdom. Just confusion. So you have a lot of people, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of goods of this world, and they lift it up, they're elevated, they're the exclusive club of the super wealthy, and they look down on the people of the world, they think they got something, but actually they got nothing. They do not know, as Revelation, the book of Revelation says to the Laodicean church, you wish not that you're poor and naked and wretched and miserable. And then God says, I counsel from you, get anointing uh, balm from me and anoint your eyes that you may see what's going on. So it is the place where 
you have the modern man represented with lots of possessions, but no direction and no wisdom that goes with that, and just confusion about the future. No anticipation even of what's coming. Business, no time. Financial pressure with the disruption of the roles of husbands and wives, the family roles, the, the family roles that are as is in the Bible. No time for prayer, just too busy. Just too busy for such a thing called prayer, lest you become aware of the leading of God in your life. So in other words, you pray, you haven't got time to pray. I've got time to pray. I mean, I'm too busy. My wife, I'm too busy. My wife, she's too busy. Everybody's too busy. Let's rush. You've got to get the kids to school. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And it's like this busyness that takes people away from prayer. And that prayer is the place of the exact danger that we're talking about. Then uh, we have this situation. So I can, I can talk about Babylon, but let me just get down to the keynote of this thing. I'm going to take you into this incredible book, which is the book of Daniel. I'll pick up in Daniel chapter number 6. And uh, we have uh, this king. His name is Darius. And uh, he is set over uh, that kingdom. It was the Medo-Persian Empire. The Babylonian Empire came to an end. Daniel outlived them one after the other. Ahasuerus, Darius, uh, there was, uh, of course, Nebuchadnezzar, and after him his son, Belshazzar. Daniel just lived. And at this point of Daniel 6, the man is already in his 80s. He's reached 80 years of age. And he is as crystal as you get them. Because he surely knows what the key is to blessedness and a long life. Now you will understand that I'm going to carry on with this lot because there is meat and it's like, this is like, you know, I have a friend who is always talking about the Carnarvon steaks and, uh, and the chops and uh, whatever the meat there. We're talking about big time steak here. And we're going to get to it now. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes. All right, this year straight from the King James Bible because it is actually the word for prince that you have here in the, the, the Bible, but it's the Aramaic word for prince. 120 princes over the kingdom, which should be over the whole of the kingdom. And over these, he put pre three presidents, or you could also translate it as prime ministers, presidents of whom Daniel was the first, that the princes might give account to those presidents and the king should have no damage. So he had his whole structure of authority worked out, the kings and then presidents, one kingdom, three presidents, and over that 120 princes, and they were governing and they were all accounting. And finally, Daniel was like the first president or the first minister, if you want to, uh, that was uh, the prime minister, if you want to, that finally gave an account to uh, the, uh, the king who was Darius. And then this Darius was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king sought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion for fault. 
for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in this man Daniel. Now, it's just amazing. If we look at this, it says, it says these men, uh, these men then, uh, then said, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. This, of course, I'm here in Daniel chapter number 6, verse 5, and I'm going to go into 6, verse 6. Then these presidents and these princes, they assembled together, and they said to themselves, uh, to the king, and thus said unto him, Darius, live forever. May they had this, they had this ridiculous saying, to the king said to him, King Darius, live forever. Well, number one, he's the king of Babylon. We don't even know if his soul is saved. And uh, for sure, God be the judge of all mankind. But indeed, live forever is a broad statement for him. But uh, they just did this, they just, whatever they did, they did. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever, now look at this, they want to take Daniel out. They're very jealous. They are using the most modern of the time, the most powerful by far kingdom that existed on the planet, by far. They were taking on one man in the kingdom that they just didn't want there. So now they try to find fault in this one man in the kingdom. Let me read on. And they said to the king, O king, uh, we have consulted together, but Daniel obviously was not there, to establish a royal statute to make it a firm decree that whosoever long live the king, whosoever shall ask a petition of any god, man, or anything else for thirty days, save to thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree, the law of the Medes and the Persian, and sign the little document, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius uh, signed the writing and the decree, because that thing could not be changed even once it's signed, not even the king would change it. And he went into his house, and Daniel, in the meantime, um, after him signing, writing, and signing that decree, the Bible says, this is verse number 10. Now, verse number 10 gets very, very important. We have everything was actually because of one man. And the one man is a man called Daniel. And Daniel is a man of prayer. Now, watch what the Bible says here. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, he knew about it, and his windows being open, not closed shut, and he was not away, he was not hiding away either, and he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did from the early days, from aforetime, from the beginning. He was a man of prayer. And the one thing, they, they, you know, you could read his Torah or 
in the Old Testament they had the Tanakh and the scriptures, the scrolls that were there. He could, he could read the Torah of Moses, the five books of Moses, I suppose. They would have that around. And uh, he could, he could um, read things about the Lord in several books or whatever they had, manuscripts of those time. Uh, and that would that'd be okay. But the moment he prayed, they were going for him. Because now he is petitioning God. And they've just signed the law of the Medes and the Persians. You don't petition God. You don't petition anybody. Yes, the only person that you can ask anything of is the king himself. So you go to Darius or Darius, as some of the people say. You go to him and you say to him, that man Daniel, that man Daniel, we caught him. So they got this whole plot together. And they're all working together. Can you think the most powerful empire assembling all of its leaders to stop one man from praying? One righteous man from praying. One man that could move things in the spiritual realm. Spiritually, he could move the mountains. He was greatly beloved by God. And nothing stopped him from the moment he landed in Babylon. He started as from a time, from the very beginning. He had to have it three times a day on his knees before God. Walked no compromise. I say again, so very important because of the modern day theology and the modern day customs of many, many churches. They just compromise. You know, you want this this way, you want that that way. It's okay. You know, it's just like, it's just like we've got to do what the popular thing is doing. You know what? You know, the world is changing, you know. And, uh, you know, this book has never changed. This book will never change. You see, concerning this book, heaven and earth will pass, but this book will remain. It's just like that. Jesus said, I say unto you, heaven and earth may pass, but the words that I speak, you will remain forever. And Daniel was on his knees three times a day before God. He was a man of prayer. And what do you think took him through so many years of life? Eighty years at the time of this. And he's still praying. And he's still going for it. And his mind is crystal. More crystal than all of those. He's still ten times wiser than any of those other people. He can still interpret dreams. He can still understand the signs of the times. How do you get the signs of the times? How do you understand what God is saying to you, to anybody, to the nation? Have you seen them fall around? It's like you say, you know, hamfisted. It's like floundering. It's like trying to find a solution where they couldn't find a solution. It's running around the world. I mean, COVID really struck hard in so many areas, and everybody's trying to find a solution. Maybe one man get the solution, and maybe this one man who is now not godly in this case that I'm using this illustration, maybe that guy, doesn't matter what he, as long as he finds a solution and the people stop with this coronavirus movement or they can stop it, you know, just get the inspiration and stop it altogether, just get rid of this thing. The world is suffering COVID fatigue. Oh, yes, it does. But there was one man that had the instant answer. And he was the one that they didn't consult with. It's the one that they didn't ask the kings. In fact, the king didn't even, it didn't even strike the king that Daniel wasn't present. At that time, the king just signed the decree. Law of the Medes and Persians, that's it. To stop the prayer life of one man. Do you know what the devil will try 
to stop your prayer life, my friend. Do you know to how and what extent the devil will begin to get you to be so very busy and your wife so very busy? Now, just, just, just stop there. You know, you've got an entire kingdom of Babylon. You've got 120 of those princes. You have got three presidents, not one, three of them. You've got all these governors and princes and doing all of these things, and they're running to and fro. And Daniel is the first of the presidents, or the prime minister, or the prime president, if you will. And then you think he's not busy. Do you think Daniel has busy days, yes or no? He's running the show under King Darius. He's running the show. He's a busy man. He's an occupied man. He's got his hands full. But he's praying three times a day. Oh yes, he's got to attend to this, he's got to attend to that. Oh, I'm never going to get through this day. Oh, pastor, you know what? I got so much, I've got so much to do. My, my, I tell you what, I got so much on my fork, I'll never get through this day. This is just not going to work. You know, it's, it's, and, and, and look at my wife. She's, we got to drop the kids. We got to do this. Feed the children. Do that, do that. <laughs> so busy. Daniel said, Whoa, stop the apple cart on my knees, on my knees, and on my knees. Three times a day, all of the days of his life. Now there's a crisis, and King Darius is realizing, now we got a problem because then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making supplication before his God, and then they came near and spake on unto the king and concerning the king's decree has thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days save thee o king shall be cast into the den of lions and those lions they were of the barbary strain which is now extinct so they say the last ones being killed in morocco they were those huge ones of the same size as tigers and they were hungry, and they were in a den, and their food was thrown down there for them in the form of human beings. Life had no value. In Babylon, life had no value. Just get this guy killed. Stop him from praying. The devil is annoyed. He doesn't want this man praying. Stop the man praying. Devise a plan. Here's a plan. Here's a plan. Here's a plan. Kill him. No man, Daniel, kill him. Then they said to the king, verse 13, that Daniel, which is the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but he maketh his petition still three times a day, just carries on, doesn't worry about a thing. He's just praying. Perfect love drives out fear. Then the king, when he heard those words that were spoken to him, he was really upset. It says here, it says, uh, uh, it displeased him even with himself. And he set his heart to try to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then he even went into a fast and he prayed. And he knew that that was going to happen because the decree of the Medes and the Persians had been signed. And so finally, the king commanded, they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. 
can stop that man's prayer. Do you think, regardless of what responsibilities I have and how many they may be, whether I'm president or whether I'm just a man standing next to the street begging or whatever, whatever I am, do you think, whether I'm running the biggest company in the country, lots of money, this, that, the other, and I'm playing with shares, I'm on the stock market, do you think you will stop my prayer life? No, not all the demons of hell will stop me from praying. You put me in jail, I'll still pray. At midnight, Paul and Silas, they were there singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and they were praying to God, and they were honoring the God of glory, and God brought a shaking in that prison. Do you know that you cannot stop a man from praying? Do you know that the devil has got no answer to that one? Now, let me tell you about Daniel. Let's get into Daniel, because this story now dives into real deep waters, not just the lion, and you'll see it. But if you want to know, do you really want to know what happened now? You're going to have to find out tonight at 6 o'clock and get back onto the line and I will tell you the rest of the story because it impacts. I close with these words. You know what the devil wants with you? He wants to stop you from praying. He wants you so disinterested in prayer and so time out and so so busy. Yes, so very, I mean, you're an important person. You're busy. Look at all the things I've got to do in my business and businesses and job and my bosses give me this stack of that stuff and whatever I got children. Then you get up early. You see, I get up early every morning. I'm praying from at least four o'clock and sometimes very often before that time. And you know what? I don't care. I've got enough energy for the day. If I can't get a break in the day, I just go on and on and on. I get to bed tomorrow morning. I'm up and I'm praying again at 4 o'clock every day. You won't stop me. The devil won't stop you. Put me in prison. I'll still pray every day. You put me in the lion's, lion's den. I'll still pray right in the lion's den. And happens next is a straight miracle plus more, much more. Now, just to say to you, here's a prayer for you to pray. If you confess, just say this after me. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe in my heart that God the Father raised him from the dead. Therefore, I'm saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save my soul. Wash me in your blood and fill me with your spirit. Write my name in the book of life. I thank you in Jesus Christ's name, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance over you and be gracious to you. Grant you eternal salvation and peace. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.